Welcome to All The Things with Tata and Laz. In this podcast, we aim to normalise all the things, especially when they're deemed taboo. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Episode seven. 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 seven I love seven. that you're committed to I really am. Seven. Um, yeah. Welcome back, guys. I'm really excited about this uh, week's episode. Yeah, same. Because we have guests in yes. the building. Liana and Lita, our sisters and cousins. Yeah. In the building, figurative, figuratively speaking, because they're joining us from... LA. LA. Liana's yeah. here. Yay. So um, excited for the chitty chats that we're going to have. Um, how's your week been? Yeah, good. Um, good. Actually, no, if I'm being real, like, yeah, it's As been you should be. a struggle. Like I was mm. at the beginning of the week. Weird. This has never, ever, ever happened to me in life. Maybe it has and I just don't remember. Anyway, back on track. <laughs> I've been like uncontrollably crying. Like at the... Mm. I'll be like working at my desk and just tears streaming down my eyes. And I'm like, what the is going on? In the feels. And then, um, yeah, I was like hanging up the washing or I was folding or whatever and just crying in the shower, crying. Particular triggers? Yeah, there are, which I'm not going to speak on, but it's like crazy how much it's affecting my emotions that I'm like, because I feel fine, but obviously I'm not because it's something more deep rooted. Yeah. And I think because working isolated Mm. you you don't have the distraction of going into work and just mind off of it and you're interacting with other people yeah so when you're at home and that's or you you just got yourself in your own yeah yeah you can get in your head yeah so i can understand now how some people are suffering from crazy depression yeah at this time if they're going through you know there's been a, a lot of suicides yeah it's um increased a lot since isolation since covid's happened people are lonely people yeah. feel um abandoned neglected yeah isolated yeah funnily enough. which is funny because if you were up to ask me like how are you I'm like, yeah i'm good yeah but obviously i'm not good yeah <laughs> um just one of them weeks but yeah man yeah. i'm not saying that for sympathy either like i feel like when i speak about our struggles like yeah past or present that people are like, oh my god, I hope you're okay, which yeah, is lovely, super sweet. But I'm not like I don't, I'm not looking for sympathy. Yeah, I'm just saying, you're good. Like, no. it's just one of them weeks. It's, it's just, just one of them days. days Yay! It goes through when I'm angry and sad. Don't I'm wanna take it out on you. Okay. Yay. Okay. So you knew. You knew what I was thinking. Um, um, yeah. How was your week? Uh, look. Um, it was good. It was dandy. Nothing really to report on. School holidays. So school holidays come to an end today. So Yay! I know. Kids oh, nay. I, I like having them at home um, with all the stress that comes with it. But no, I, I think they're excited to go see their friends. So back to school. Yeah. Not tomorrow. Tuesday. Cool. So, but other than that, my week has been dandy. Yeah. So let's do this. I am ready let's to talk all the things. We do. We have with... girls waiting. Yes. So we hope you tune in. We're going to go to an ad break. Yeah. That's where like we stop recording. Yeah. Like a break. Sorry, I know we haven't been recording long to go to an ad break, but anyway, new segment. Yep. Stay tuned because we're going to have Lita and Liana join us to talk about some goodness. Yay. Okay. Peace okay. Out, bye. Girl. Bye. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to my sisters, my older sister and my younger sister. We've got Lita 
aka Follow Delita, joining us from LA. Say hi to the people. Hi, everyone. I appreciate you guys having me on. This is exciting. Yay. And we've got my younger sister, Liana, joining us from Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> from up the road. Um, hi. 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 Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we um, have you guys on because um, we want to talk about growing up here in Australia as people of colour um, and we want to hear about like your experiences and um, yeah we do and see how it is like obviously there's the dynamic of you moving away you moved away when you were 23 years old to the States and then Liana moved away for a bit LA and then you moved back and obviously I moved away to UK you moved back and I stayed here (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so um yeah a a bit of background before your guys give your introduction is we grew up in a predominantly white area and Camden rep Camden Sydney if you don't know where that is no judgment because nobody bloody knows where it is today um so yeah so anyway um Please give your introduction of who you are and, um, yeah. Oh, I'm so, I hate that question, to be honest, because I don't, I don't like title. <laughs> but if one had to describe um, who I am or what I do, as you guys know, because you are family, my name is Lita Lewis. I grew up in Sydney, Australia. I moved to New York City when I was in my early 20s and spent 10 years there. Then four years ago, I decided to move to the opposite coast to LA, California, because I needed to be around sunshine all year round. Um, And I always worked in the corporate setting. um, But about seven years ago, I dived into the deep end and decided to follow my goals and dreams into working for myself. So now I occupy the space in health and fitness. So I, um, in, in, in terms of that I have been given to me or as titles, cause I personally don't like it, but one would say that I'm a health and fitness influencer, but that's what I do. Yay. Um, and Anna, um, Lene. <laughs> Yeah, I also grew up in Sydney, um, have been here most of my life. Um, I'm a graphic designer um, who now is badass designer. <laughs> Branding extraordinaire. Uh, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, she's like a little sister, so we like to pick her up all the time. We do too much. Our nature. But yes, I am um, a graphic designer. I work um, at an agency in Sydney have been working at agency for a few years. Um, yeah, I feel like I've got a lot more to add to my story, but that's what I've been doing for my life. And she's our baby baby. Like she really, Lita and I grew up together. And then we, and like Lita and I, and Talia, and Talia's and Ebony. sister Ebony, we were all like the foursome, always grew up together. And then Liana's like nine years younger than us, mm. or yeah, and 12 years younger than Ebony and Lita. So she's like our baby. Um, so her experience mm. is totally She's different. cooler than all of us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Thanks for the introduction. I want to take it back 
the back in the day when I was young again, I'm not a kid anymore. I don't know who sings that. Back in the day when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. I know the words just then and you didn't. You never know the lyrics. So I, you know, as I do, I'm a bit of a list maker. I prepared some questions earlier. I did too, but only because you did. Okay, well, mine are probably better. (laughs) So I want to know, considering this episode is all about, I guess, how we have found found or continue to find our identity, especially um, as women growing up in a country and specifically an area where we are the minority and being um, a person of colour is a rarity. <laughs> um, I want to know, share with us, what's your earliest memory of prejudice? Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. And, and one that I, I am forced to reflect on because I, I get asked all the time, being a person of color here, a black woman, what my experience was growing up in Australia. And I, I literally try to rack my brain to try to think about like if I personally had experienced any type of prejudice or racism and to be completely honest and transparent with you, I actually cannot think of a, of a, a specific situation that actually happened to me where I could say, Oh my gosh, when I was 15, this is what happened in the grocery store. I actually have no recollection. However, I say that now being fully conscious of the world that we live in, especially now as I, as I kind of reflect on um, attitudes and opinions that I know exist in Camden, mm. that I was just simply not aware that whatever was happening around me or to me was directed to me. I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. had I been somewhere or pumping my gas, pet- petrol, gosh, yeah, or, and someone made a, a remark or, or so, whatever it may be, I actually do not recall anything specific that I can actually, um, you know, and truthfully answer that question. But Where it was targeted at you, kind of went overhead. I definitely said it with a disclaimer, though, because it doesn't mean that um, something happened or was said that I perhaps didn't hear or didn't think was for me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do remember this, though. I remember being in high school, and I cannot remember what age I was, but I was, I was like, grown. So maybe I was, like, either 16, 17, 18 right? And hanging with the friends that I had at that time, or I actually still do, <laughs> shout out to Lauren, um, <laughs> being somewhere that wasn't, wasn't like our local town. We were out Parramatta maybe at a, at a house party or something stupid, you know, doing dumb stuff. And I remember getting in an altercation with Lauren, of course, um, with somebody at this party. And I remember someone saying, yeah, you stupid black bitch. And I was like, what that i mean i remember just thinking not that she called me a bitch we can cuss right i'm sorry yeah, yeah. that's fine hello Lauren. Hey, you clearly do not listen to our podcast <laughs> i was just about to say i have listened to the podcast and Lauren, your mouth my gosh so i'm yes. pg Lauren's are <laughs> or zen <laughs> No, and I, I just remember not being offended so much by the bitch part, but by being called black. And I just remember, like, it stuck with me. That's the only thing I can think of. But it was mm. because you know, we, we were young and dumb and doing something. I want to say it was about a boy or something. Who knows? It was something stupid. But I remember <laughs> going, 
black. I was like, you know, so that's the only. Well, that's the only because you didn't recognize yourself, you didn't um, identify. identify yourself as black, or no. good question, good question. Yeah. I've always identified myself as proudly, and this is interesting. I think this is stuff I've I've noticed as someone that, and I happen to be half black, but that is not oh. surprising because like. Wow, that's very interesting. Oh, for sure. Because remember, when I left um, home to go to the other side of the world by myself in a place where I knew no one, you know, I first identified not with the people that look like me. I identified myself as Polynesian, but Mm. then I just happened to look black. So when people asked me what my nationality was, I remember and recall actually saying, well, I'm half Samoan and half black. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Because biracial people usually say, um, I'm black and... Yeah. And I, and I just was like, okay, that makes sense. I've only really known my own family that I was raised with. And, mm. and we're, you know, we're Polynesian, we're Samoan people. So... And, and, and Tuvaluan. And Tuvaluan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So true. So, um, so that's, that's one thing I also noticed. Like, you know, I, but then that's a good question. So going back to that original question, did I not identify, identify myself as black? I absolutely knew that I was black and I didn't like, like, I don't want to be black. I was, it was, that was never the case. And I know that for a fact, because I was very much in some part of my, my adolescence and my, my teenage years was very like thirsty, thirsty for like black culture. And I was that idiot that would spend like $21 on like source magazine from urban hip hop stores off Pitt Street Mall. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. really proud to be black. But I first identified myself with the very people that, that raised me. Yeah. It's funny that you say that though, right? Because when you said, like, I'm Samoan and you just happen to be half black, I always knew growing up, that's a lie. I didn't know growing up that there was something obviously in me that felt a need to always tell people I'm a quarter Samoan, a quarter Tavaluan and half white. And that was really important for me that people knew every little bit of my bloodline. (laughs) And I'll never forget it when the first time I had said I'm Samoan Alangi, I would have been about nine and I had done a cultural project at school and I had like gotten dressed up all in the Samoan gear. I was so proud. And then mum chastised me after I had done my project, like my presentation. She was like, your project was about Samoan culture. But when you introduced yourself, you didn't include the fact that you were Tavaluan. And since that moment, I've always said, I'm Samoan Tavaluan yeah. Balangi. Because mm-hmm. we forget that part of us, the way we grew yeah. up. Yeah. But it was so important for me. And I felt like throughout my life I've always felt the need to prove I'm like no 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 I've got Polynesian blood in me like someone yeah. and to follow yeah. it well speaking of the need of the need to prove I've felt my whole life the need to just prove myself in both as a mm. black person and as a Polynesian spaces. person because I've always you always as a mixed person feel in between and so even because I was looked after by grandma and grandpa so much mm. as a kid going to church with them I always felt proud to sit with grandma and grandpa because we were like, I, I could say this was my claim. Like, see, they're my grandparents. I am Samoan yeah. and I am Tuvaluan. Yeah. And so you can look at me like, who are you? Like, why are you here? 
but I'm just a Samoan actually because of my grandparents. And then on the other side, you've got the, like, having to prove yourself as a black woman as well because people look at you like, oh, well, you know, Fully. look at your accent, look where you were brought up, but you're not. I fully want to talk about what we've done throughout our lives to like prove our heritage, our cultural background. But before we do, I think it's really interesting, Tazi Lita, that you um, don't remember specifically anything targeted at you. I do. Like, Anna, what about you? Because you went to, I think by the time, because there is obviously an age gap Mm. and black culture as we call it was obviously on the rise as being cool and whatever but by the time you had hit high school I think everyone was trying to be urban she also and went to a different high school you went yeah. to Campbelltown high I think it's worth noting that I didn't go to New Zealand. I went yeah to so it was out is, of our area it has a different community so it's predominantly you know Polynesians sorry I can barely hear I can barely hear Liana so I don't know if her voice is going to be picked up on your end Oh, speak up. Um, I was just saying, I think it's worth noting that I did go to a different high school, which was out of area. So it was predominantly um, Polynesian kids. I had, you know, um, Arab friends. Um, yeah, lots of Polynesian kids, basically. Yeah. It wasn't just like Balangis. We had a mixture, which was refreshing for me, obviously, because I had gone to the primary school we went to, I was the only black kid. Yeah. <laughs> Not just in my grade, like the whole fucking school. Yeah. So we can relate. Yeah, like, so that was actually thinking about that. I was thinking about it last night and talking to um, a few of, like, James and Daddy, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, it was just interesting that we grew up with different cultures and not yeah. just white. And I think that I've definitely had different experiences in yeah. high school listening to you compared mm-hmm. to me because I had, you know. Did you yeah. ever feel, did you ever, uh, do you remember the earliest instance of, like, feeling like the other or any type of prejudice? God, I think similar to Lita when she was saying she can't recall a specific moment, I would say that's, I actually can't. Like, I would have to rack my brain. Really? Which I is can. great. However, which is, is, which is wonderful that it's not, like, awful that it's happened to you, Lauren, where yeah. you have specific recollect- recollections where people have targeted some stupid-ass comments. But I think it's really, really great that your memories of your upbringing, you can't, because I think that would actually, as it's been, oh, sorry, let me regather my thoughts. So as it's been quite crucial in, and I guess pivotal in how you felt about yourself and we spoke about in the depression and anxiety mm. um, episode, how the things that you felt about yourself which would have been influenced by the way people made you feel by the things that they said. The fact that you guys don't remember any of that, I think is really important to to note that these are the types of things that do impact people that are in Lauren's position. Do you know what I mean? I will say though, yes. just because I can't recall a specific moment doesn't mean I didn't experience the fuckery because I can yeah. I can definitely know a few times like teachers said it, something right? or kids would call me names. Mm-hmm. And I remember definitely feeling the sense of otherness as a kid. Yeah. That's, that's someone saying, pointing the finger at me and being like, yeah you're black you're this you're that mm. like and and making me feel that 
so blatantly. I think that's what I'm saying. I can't recall that. Yeah. But there's totally so many moments I could be like, yeah, this happened, this happened, this yeah. happened. Yeah. From in the playground. Yeah. Or even I think, I don't know if I've told you, but I, I told Tom this, like when I was young, you know, mom used to box braid my hair. And yeah. Shout out. Lita, Lita would, actually. <laughs> you know when you I first, didn't have time for it. You know when you first get your hair box braided? Yeah. It's hard as shit. Yeah. 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 And someone hit you on the head. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. And I could even, I know it was like right by the campaign and I remember I was playing with my friends and someone smacked me on the head. And obviously if you're hitting someone on the head, right, it's like nothing. Like yeah. it's, you don't even think about it. But at the time, it hurt so much that my eyes started to water. Oh. And I was like, oh, I was like, my head's so sore. Like, I just tender. got my hair done. Yeah. yeah. And I remember running up and telling the teacher. And the teacher looked at me and was just like, oh, just stop being silly. Get over it. Like, mm. what, mm. what are you doing? Go away. Yeah. yeah. And I remember feeling so like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> my I don't know, maybe had I grown up in a school with other black kids or like a school with, you know, a teacher that looked like me, they would have been yeah. like, you know, more understanding. It's those kinds of things that I can remember yeah. throughout schooling. Uh, yeah. I I remember from um daycare. Like this is the empath in me, I do believe. I remember feelings from daycare. Like the because I was looked after Mate, your memory so is long from, from grandma and grandpa. And I was only went to daycare, like, I think a year before starting school. So I was like four. So I was like, not grown, but enough to remember. And I just remember thinking like, this isn't chops. This isn't the food that I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Like they started, I was taken from my grandparents who were Samoan and Tuvaluan who did all of that stuff with me to a Balangi setting where they gave me like chopped up carrot and custard and raisins. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and, then, and then I had all these kids like pulling out my hair and like just, it was just so different that I was like, this ain't for me. <laughs> where am I? Who are you, Becky? Um, you know what makes so- me sad though, right? Is because we're all grown and, you know, given the current climate where, I guess prejudice is at the tip of everybody's tongue of conversation and being really mindful of what you're saying and what you're doing. It makes me really sad that even with my own kids, my eight-year-old and my six-year-old, I've been able to witness it in their primary schools Mm. and not necessarily directed to my kids, but like, you know, Isla Ray has a little best friend who's Korean. And I flipping love this kid. You have no idea. She is so proud to be Korean. The first play date we had, she was like, well, in Korea, um, what we do is, and she was just so proud. And I was like, that's what we need. And she said, well, in my language, we say this is this. And when Isla Ray had told me that there was um, bullying going on at school, that there were some kids in their class that were making fun of the food that she was eating because it looked and smelled differently, mm. um, you know, like it was obviously great to prompt the conversation around what Isla Ray can do when she sees that people are not being treated kindly. But when I said, how do you think that made her friend feel? And she was like, she was so sad that she was crying. Mm. And I think it's those little moments that are making or shaping these little humans to feel a certain way about themselves or feel a certain way about their culture, whether they identify as being, you know, full-blooded Korean or, you know, Euro-Asian half, but like, it makes me super sad that it's still just as present now. Mm. 
as what it was, you know, 30, 50, 100, 300 years ago. Yeah. Um, so a question, how did you guys navigate? What's the difference between how you navigated through your, I guess, primary school years, teenage years, to how you navigate life now as a person of colour? Is there a difference? And if there's not, mad? Well, for me personally, I didn't know I didn't know any better, mm. like pre-moving away from Australia. We grew up here and so I didn't um I wasn't able to recognize microaggressions or um prejudices because I was so used to it and mm. it was just my life. So uh, it was what it was. And even when friends or people like associates, I'd say, because not all the time friends, but they'd say crazy ass things. I would just take it on the chin and be like, I'd make excuses for them, whether I'd say um, to myself, oh, they didn't mean it like that, or I'd just ignore it because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to still be a part of my, like, friend group and go to all the parties and stuff like that. So a lot of crazy things were said, but I would just let them go because that was, like, who else was I going to turn to? There was nobody else who could relate. Mm. Um. And now? Well, then I moved away and then obviously I lived in southeast London, which is predominantly African and Caribbean people. And then, I don't know, I just, you, 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 I didn't even recognise a difference within how I moved until I came back. And then I came back and I, like, things were done. Like, I went to the shop and this lady said something to I was went to get my um car registration renewed and she said to me well here love we don't call it a license plate we call it registration and I was just like what a bitch like I rec like before I would have just been like oh okay yeah what about that I recognized that she was being ridiculous just because of the color of my skin like I recognized that she saw me as the other so she was then treating me like that whereas I would have never I would have never previously recognized those little things. And that's just one little example. But so I just move differently now because I'm more aware of things now. If that makes mm. sense. Right. I like it. I like it. Lita, Anna? I mean, I would say the only difference would be, yeah, just like more self awareness. Um, I feel like, yeah, I. Jeez, I'm not really quite sure how to answer that. I don't feel like I pick up on those kinds of instances that you just mentioned, Lauren, mm. a lot. Um, whether that's me just being like completely, I don't know, just not acknowledging it at all for my yeah. own peace or just... It's funny you say that because I remember you two came and visited me in London and we went out to West London to a museum and that lady was so rude to us. And but you guys were just like, oh, Lauren, you're being over the top. But I'm like, no, she I picked up that those beads, remember, they were for charity. And I was literally just looking at them and she goes, you have to buy them. And I was like, whoa, like I'm literally just looking at them. I and understand I have to buy them. And I was really annoyed. Like you need to calm down. And you both were saying to me, Lauren, calm down. She was just saying. And I'm like, no, she wouldn't have talked to anybody else like that. Like she was talking to us in that tone and felt comfortable to do that because we're black in West London. And I just was like, that's not all right to do. See, my memory is wild because I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe that's that's some yeah, maybe that has more to 
Listen, my, my perspective on that is really different. Like how I maneuver, how, how I moved and how I thought my self-awareness when I was in primary school, even high school, now in comparison to me being a full-grown adult living in the United States is so vast. I, honest, I honestly don't know how to answer that question because it's, it's, it's literally, it's like night and day. You're like a 180 yeah. of the spectrum. Like I am yeah. now so self-aware that, um, that like all those types of things that you mentioned, Laren, are very evident to me. However, I, I've still chosen not to be hoorah about every single thing. And I'll tell you why. Living in the United States, you, there's no shadow of a doubt. When you're a person of color, you know you are black, you know you're a minority, you know that you are treated, looked at, um, and, and had opinions against you. Um, it, it just, it just is what it is. You're just always the underdog, right? Mm. I, I, from a place of privilege can say, because I look the way I do, because I sound the way I sound. And then, um, and this is a label I've always tried to, sh um, to shy away from, but I've had people provide feedback and I absolutely agree now because I'm considered exotic or pretty. I can get away with so much more um, amongst the masses that I recognize now has been my privilege. But the self-awareness itself, it, 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 it opens your eyes up to so much injustice from the, the smallest little thing to things that actually matter. So yeah. Laren in that situation, and again, that, again, it's just a testament to it didn't, I don't actually recall that. Um, you being hoorah and us being chill. Um, but I'm also in a place now where if I reacted to everything I knew was because of the color of my skin or my, or my stepkids or whatever, I would be so exhausted as a person. Yes. I can't show up and, and present my best self to the world, to my fiance, to my kids, to my work. I just don't have the energy and I'm very big yeah. on where I want to put my energy that I, I just don't. I just don't. There's a level of ignorance that just exists in the world, regardless of where you are, that you can choose to um, acknowledge. I, I think it's important to acknowledge always because it's really important to be very self-aware of yourself and like the world you uh, live in. But if you had to react to everything, it just, I just, it's not the life I want to live. So yeah, yeah. and a level of ignorance also, like if somebody wants to be racist towards me, I always look at it like this. That's none of my business. Mm, yeah. Racist. That's your business. That's fine. Because unless it's like um, deterring me from an opportunity or not allowing me to, to live a certain freedom where I can shop for my family, um, put gas in my car or do my job. Like, yeah. I'm not even going to give it any time and energy because it's just not worth it to me. But I mean, in answering your question, Tata, like how I move now as a grown adult that is um, providing for four kids and, and having to work in the space that I work in is very different than how I, mm. have, how I navigated life um, as, uh, as a youth or, or, or somebody um, as, as young as primary school years. I just didn't have the awareness for it. Yeah. Mm. The reason why, sorry, can I just say, the reason why I remember that instance so much, <laughs> sorry, it's just, it's making, like, I, I just need you guys to know. Like, okay, first of all, <laughs> it's because I was looking at your, like, don't, because you both were like, Laren, don't be crazy. And I'm like, no, girls, don't look at me like, don't be crazy. Y'all should be looking at her like you shouldn't have talked to me like that. 
But and but the, the reason why Wait, I wanted to be no, I'm just gonna say like let's preface this as like you be reacting to shit like a lot. <laughs> and like no. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but in, in general like. Even if someone does some disrespectful shit or like pisses me off, I'm really like, you're chill. I'm trying to say, you pick your battles. Battles. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, for me, I'm like, fuck off. Like, yeah. like you're gonna I'm preserve gonna, your energy. I'm where always in your ear, like, you should be safe. Yeah. So you're always like, Liana, like, packed up, like, ramp up. And yeah. I'm like, no, nah, like, I'm good. Like, I'm not trying to keep yeah. that because I got mm. other shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, not every person or situation warrants your response. And that's how I, how you can literally are in full control of your own self, your life, and your energy. Is that? What? Is it 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 sorry, sorry. <laughs> but I say that not just in this idea of prejudice or a racial world. I'm talking about everything. Like yeah. with why I love him to death. If I reacted to everything that he wanted to complain about, Lord have mercy. I'm just saying. <laughs> There is a level of control that you have over your own life by simply choosing to react or not react at all. Yeah. And usually Man. the non-reaction, <laughs> yeah, I was like, Aaron, the non-reaction. <laughs> yeah, the, Are you listening? Wait, I'm sorry, what? reaction is your power. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where the power of discerning a reaction and a response are two different very things. Two mm. different very things. <laughs> <laughs> are two very different things. Uh, because, you know, often people say that we react out of emotions where when we respond, we tend to be able to, you know, take a moment, remove the emotion out of it and think more consciously and logically. Mm. So, yeah, preserve that energy, guys. Mm. Okay, oh. I wanted to ask. So, <laughs> I wanted to ask a lot of things. But, you know, Lisa, you as much as you don't like titles, you are a, an influencer um, in the health and fitness um, space. And when I look at it, I think, and I wonder, would your success have been different had you not moved over, moved over to the States and made yourself available across the country in different communities oh, with your question. oh thank you Sorry. but different uh, you know you made just you've made yourself available to travel all across the states you've run boot camps you run workshops you have online this is a side plug <laughs> um you know you have built this i'm not going to say empire unless you want me to call it's it that really but you, yeah but you've you've built this platform out of authenticity and so out of authentic love for your, you know, your craft, your, your body, strengthening it, the mental game around um, making yourself healthy. But do you think that would have differed had you remained in Australia and well, tried to do the right, same right. thing, yeah, amongst different communities across our country opposed to in the States? Yeah, I don't, I don't um, necessarily think if, uh, had I had remained in Australia, would it be any different? Like, you know, everything that is a part of my journey had led me to having the courage to leave like a corporate job to pursue what I like to pursue mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. But in saying that, I also had the confidence in pursuing um, health and fitness and working for myself based on the support and the connectivity that I had already growing on social media. Now, yeah. 
I was speaking to, when I first started, I was speaking to primarily not so much um, a color or an, uh, or an, an ethnic, ethnic group, excuse my language, yeah. but, um, but more so women that are curvy, that wanted to consider themselves athletes. Like I, I, I was the chick that was considered thicker for being, um, uh, you know, a bodybuilder or in all these other things. And so when I started sharing, uh, you know, key messaging on social media that I was very passionate about, I was really just speaking to women that were never going to fit um, what mass media considered, you know, fit, feminine and strong because mm-hmm. that person is about this small, you know, um, that is, you know, very lean and, and, and perhaps maybe, um, you know, Within a size range, blonde and blue eye type situation. Mass media love that idea, uh, but uh, but we're not. We were not represented. Women of color were not represented. Women that were curvy at the time and athletic were not really represented. And I remember being really passionate about um, the messaging I was sharing on social media because I uh, read an article online about about Serena Williams, and at the time she had just won some ridiculous number seven, you know, whatever grand slam she had won at the time. I know now it exceeds, I think she's won like 21 plus, but, um, but the entire article was shaming her because she's so strong because she's built like a man and she's this and she's that. And I'm just thinking, how disgusting, like literally if she was not a woman of color, she would not get that rap. It's like, she's just the best because she is, she's just the best. Like, I don't really, it really kind of impacted me in my own journey because I too felt like I was never considered like the, the fiddle strong girl because I probably was a little bit curvier and a little thicker. You totally were growing up. Mass media. Strong girl. Huh? Growing up here, you were the fit and strong girl. Right. Okay, I was person of the year every single year. <laughs> <laughs> and you still have records <laughs> 20 years later. Sure. I guess I'm just meaning like as an adult, but yeah, like, oh, yeah. Um, Sorry. You know, um, but in speaking to that, growing up, I, I was, when it comes to race anyways and how it's relatable, perhaps the reason why I didn't necessarily, uh, I can't necessarily remember anything specific happening to me as far as prejudice or, or, or anything racial is because I was the athlete. I was likable. I don't remember having yeah. any enemies. The teachers loved me. The, you know, my fellow peers loved me. It was just like a... Sorry. <laughs> I just remember Lisa's always been good at sport, right? And so then I changed schools and went to your high school. And I remember the um, PE teacher was like, yes, another Lewis. And he's like, right, coming on to the um, touch football team. <laughs> Have you seen my impossible? I'm like, oh, I can't. And he wouldn't listen to me about I can't play. He was like, nah, you're a Lewis sister. You're going to be great. And then he saw me play and he was like, this fits me. I was like, no, I tried to tell you. Lisa. <laughs> So, on that cause, because when we talk about the fact that there wasn't really, you know, true representation for women that, you know, were on the curvier side and could see themselves as, as fit, yeah, that's not the ideal here, here in, well, it wasn't the ideal here in Australia back then. So, and I, I think yeah. I asked this question because in my head, I honestly, you know, African-Americans are somewhat stereotyped for being what people say bigger boned or having bigger booties or you know yeah. and so I think 
where this question stemmed from was, has the success of the message that you're saying of, you know, you can be thick and you can be fit and you can be healthy. Has that message resonated more with the community there in the States? Ergo, you know, you have been able to build success on supporting these, these people, as opposed to it having been a message that would have been better received here in Australia. Does that make sense? Sorry, that was a little bit all over the shop. I can hear myself, so I'm echoing. No, yeah, just makes sense. Yeah, no, like, listen, the key message, key messaging for me, at least, and its intention is universal. It's, yeah, it's 100%. Yeah. specific gender, not, not a color, um, and not even almost a size, because it is, my messaging has evolved to being literally, let's just become the best versions of ourselves. Yeah, 100. Yeah, like, like, fuck the standard and, and fuck the, the, um, the cookie cutters. Like, it's, it's just not sustainable yeah. to look like someone else. So, like, you know, I would like to think that even those in Australia would totally resonate with that messaging, regardless of what I looked like. But I will say, because I did move to the United States and I, I was, I was accepted as black because I look black. I'm not anything else. It was funny. People are like, yeah, but you're black, but I'm actually, well, yeah, you're black. And I'm like, oh, for the first time ever in my life, I'm like, oh, I fully have a label. Like there's no escaping that. It doesn't matter how many times I'm telling that I'm Samoan or Tuvaluan, like I'm, I'm black. And so that community embraced me completely because what I noticed, especially like six, seven years ago when I first started in this space, especially health and fitness, the lack of representation mm. is like almost how I, I want to say I came in at a right time because um, the idea of curvy models and, and like the, the plus size and, and them doing high fashion, that has really only evolved in the last um, I want to say eight to 10 years, max, max. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came in a time where the fitness world was also kind of changing. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> I did bodybuilding and I was able to transform my body in a certain way, but like yeah. now I'm this and that's, Oh fucking K. Like I'm yeah. strong. I can still beat your ass on a race. And <laughs> And I'm still feminine because the whole idea was just like, oh, black women, when they're top athletes, are masculine and uh, unattractive. And I was like, F that. That's so crazy to me. And yeah, so, 100. And so, like, yeah, I mean, getting back to what you're saying, Tata, I think I, I would like, I can only speak for my intention, right? My intention really was just for women because I noticed that there, there wasn't any really positive messaging around um, curvier women and then because yeah. I am black and mm. I live in the United States and there's obviously a higher population of, of black women and, and brown women that then my key messaging was obviously hitting them first and foremost yeah well that's mad I really like that and the message still stays strong what about Big you fit, kick thighs <laughs> save lives yes. okay. I'm a bloody superhero with my thing <laughs> okay <laughs> um Anna, do you feel like you have in your industry, in your line of work that you've ever been in a situation where you felt as though your success has been already speak to that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. Sorry. Do you feel as though yeah, in your in your career that your um, being a person of colour has ever affected your employment? Here in contrast to the States as well. <clears throat> Interesting. Um Ah, God, it's hard because there's, first of all, in the design industry in general, there's like five black people. Seriously. <laughs> um, and so I'm definitely the only 
from what I know, the only black person in Sydney works in design. Oh my god, crazy. that is insane. Yeah, that you um, know. That I know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, as far as has it stifled or kind of affected where I am, mm. I, I would say I'm I'm on a on a path that I'm happy with. That's um, good. So That's actually, amazing. Yeah, I feel like um, for me to say my race has gotten in the way of, of where I am today, I, it would simply be untrue. Not even gotten in the way. Do you think that it has assisted or supported? Because it doesn't always have to be the negative, right? Like as a person of colour or whatever, whether it be your age or your gender, do you feel as though specifically you've had different opportunities because of your um, colour of skin? No, I don't and if it's a no, that's fine. That, remember that interview you had yeah, at that I will company? Say, um, God, sorry, this is a, a quite a hard question. I'd, I'd, for me personally, on, I don't think so. I will speak on one experience where I was, um, I had just graduated. I had just graduated um, and I was in intern phase, right? So I was applying for internships. Um, and I had applied for uh, an agency that was in like eastern suburbs of Sydney. Mm. So if you know Sydney, you know, like we grew up in the West. So West and East are like talking to you. Eastern suburbs, mate. Eastern suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Um, and so, and I guess this was me being, I guess, a little bit naive at the time. Um, I had applied for an internship uh, at this place, which I knew was like filled with like tan, skinny, blonde, white girls. And then there was like me. Mm. Um, I applied because I liked their work and I thought they were, you know, cool at the time, which is hilarious, but I don't know anymore. Um, and then lo and behold, I get a response and I'm like, oh my God, like, I think Lauren was here at the time and I was super hyped and I was like, yay, like, I'm going to go interview for this place. Yeah. Um, and I had, I knew someone that worked there and they were like, yeah, like your portfolio caught the eye of the creative director. Like she like, come in. And I had gone in. You did a form brief for them too. Yeah, I had done like a, a job for them as kind of like a 40 in as well before I met them. And then um, as I had gone in for the interview, it was like before I had even kind of sat down with the creative director, I knew that I wasn't getting the job. Oh, and so was, how did you know that? It's something that's hard to explain, but I think as, as people of colour, you can gauge the room and sense that you're completely left and filled you're in not that space. In yeah. Because of how they've made you feel. But yeah. remember the specific question that you remember, like I remember you telling me that she asked you, what kind of music are you into? Yeah, so there was questions around that and um, I had said, oh, like I'm a hip-hop head, like I love hip-hop, um, you know, rap, and we started talking about that and then um, she just got real awkward and she kind of gave me like this awkward like, <laughs> like, it was, yeah, it was a weird conversation. And I knew it was like as the the interview was going, it was like a downward. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, fuck, like this is not, this is not going well. Um, and then she made a comment about it's really important that um, everyone fits in um, and made some kind of our cultural tight-knit, whatever the fuck, is really important here. Yeah, and then lame. she ended that on, yeah. like, that was the end of, was the, end of the interview. Oh. But if you, if she was cool and wasn't looking at your race or the fact that you like hip hop, she would have been able to 
be open to the fact that you're a cool ass chick and I'm not saying that because you're my sister but you literally you really are cool than all of us <laughs> so I'm like it, that, I just remember thinking when you came out because I waited for you and you were like oh yeah she said this I got this really weird feeling and I was just like <laughs> yeah and I, I think, I'll get your brief back <laughs> I think that was the first mind you I actually never I said when I left that place, I was like, you know, you know, if you finish your interview, if you've got the job or yeah, you have you that, that feeling. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, oh, no, they're not going to hire yeah. me. Like, it was filled with, like, Balangi girls. Like, yeah. And I knew they looked at me like, oh, who's this? Like, and first of all, it's probably weird already being someone in seniority in the design industry, seeing a young black, you know, a young black designer. Mm. It's like, oh, like, hello, what are you doing yeah. here kind of thing. And so... I think when I left that day, I remember we were shopping in Bondi afterwards. Mm. And I remember thinking that was the first time I was like, damn, like, yeah. I'm really fucking out here alone. Yeah. Like, there's no one. This, this is probably, I remember leaving that day thinking this is probably going to be the first of many experiences. Um, and yeah, that was, that was eye-opening to me again, because once again, we just spoke about, you know, school experiences and you know, yeah. things like that. And then it was like, okay, cool, I have my degree, I'm ready to go work for the man. And now it's like, okay, now we got this shit to deal with. Yeah, now you have to fit in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I'm very blessed in that shortly after I was actually started working at um, different agencies in Sydney, where I worked with really cool people. Yes. Um, and then I, you know, last year, oh God, the year before, I was, you know, lucky enough to move to LA and work at a black-owned agency, shout out to Grab. Shout out to Lita for always being our base in the states. <laughs> we wanted to be. best sister. I yeah. love that. It's, that makes me really sad that you've got that kind of thing happening. But um, I'm glad you know that they're not as cool as what you originally thought as well. <laughs> no, like now that I've you know had some experience and um yeah I've worked overseas I'm like you guys are actually really whack yeah um, which is great to see in hindsight but yeah just an experience and definitely an observation and I was like okay this is a thing um, yeah but yeah so can we've we... got a fourth member of the, I mean a fifth member of this podcast today we've got look at Juju Boo. Okay. <laughs> all right guys let's not get off track um, sorry <laughs> okay, okay I want to ask because you know we've talked about the how has it impacted you how has it affected you and I don't want to take away from that but what do you celebrate as a person of color everything ever read that I, so, I feel so blessed that we were born you know black and Samoan like and sorry and Tuvaluan um it's such a yeah. privilege 100% can I tell you when I was in high school because like we mentioned last week when Lara and I were talking I was like yeah no one found me attractive I was friends yeah I was you know I felt like I was just always the chick <laughs> I feel like these um, two can't relate because y'all were always pretty. Like Lita, literally, <laughs> everyone loved Lita. <laughs> like you, how many love letters you had under your bed? Trust me, I was like, what is that? You had all these love letters from guys, and I was just like, what? I, that was not my experience. Okay, well, I was pretty, but <laughs> no one just no one recognized it, right? No, I remember be, feeling like I was the oh, unattractive friend. No, Larry just put it out there that I wasn't pretty. <laughs> Whatever, I'm the swan. Yeah, but I remember, like, in high school, there was one, there was a guy in my year. So I remember, say, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but when I had 
reached year 12, you know, it was, it was a reasonably large high school, but I remember there was literally a handful of, of um, uh, coloured people at my school, right? People of colour. People of colour, sorry. <laughs> people of colour at my school. There was only about five, but specifically in my grade from about year nine, there was an, uh, an, African, an African guy in my year, his name was Dave. And when I think back to it, it makes me really sad that because we had other Davids in our year and people just started referring to him as Black Dave and then he took it upon himself Insanity. that when he would introduce himself he's like oh no I'm Black Dave and I think back to that and I'm like why why uh... anyway I, I why? look back because at the insanity were... of of my school and I loved my upbringing like because I, I knew no different back then I knew that I felt a particular way when I felt like I was you know the other but um yeah, I look back at things like that and I'm really sad. But when I think to my 21st birthday, right, mm. I had invited a whole bunch of my school friends. Like, we hadn't been in school for, you know, four years by then, four or five years. Is that really bad math? No, sorry. <laughs> um, but I remember at my 21st birthday, I had my cousins that performed a Siva Samoa. And then I, I did a Siva Samoa and I had all of the traditional wear on, like I had the headpiece, I had the, um, <clears throat> the mats on and I did a dance. And I'll never forget how proud I was when so many of my school friends had reached out to me and they said, that is the best party I have ever been to. It was so enriched with culture and celebration. And I was 21 and I think that's the first time that my friends had really been exposed to my background and how we celebrate and how we get together as a family mm. and I just I look back at that and I'm like I definitely celebrate the fact that we have traditions and we have um, particular you know practices that we get to include other people in um so yeah. I know he's my Juju's looking at me so, um, so yeah I just like when I think of what I like to celebrate I like to celebrate the fact that we have so many things that we you know like our traditional wear our, our musical talent our there's just lots anyway I celebrate that um sorry I took the light so, did you guys want to talk about so what you celebrate <laughs> <laughs> Lita <laughs> Um, so what do you celebrate as a person of color oh I, my gosh i you know i think not even that having to reside here in the united states like myself like there's so much you recognize there's so much to celebrate when you realize the entire definition of the word cool was invented by your people like <laughs> when you see like the entire world, and I'm, I do not exaggerate, you can see hip hop culture, black culture, every corner of this earth, you recognize that you are always a part of the cool club, right? Yeah. And so just in that, that is so broad because we can celebrate music, we can celebrate the arts, we can celebrate athletic ability, we can celebrate oh, invention, we can literally can celebrate so many facets of what makes life worth living um, that I can't pinpoint it to one thing, but I, I will say this for the first, not for the first time. I mean, I have definitely been in, living in my skin and being proud to be who I am for a long time now, but, um, black beauty for me, um, especially in the past 
four to five years has been something that I've personally celebrated because mm. um, I think the the unapologetic behavior of black beauty and how we go about expressing ourselves has to me been one of the most beautiful things I've been able to witness um, as an adult. Seeing um, little black girls and little brown girls express themselves with, um, with how they choose to wear their hair, you know, yeah. uh, is one thing that I am so inspired by and perhaps mainly so because I wasn't raised in a community or even had a household that celebrated black hair or, hair or knew how to even manage black hair, that now just seeing a woman of color express herself by wearing her natural hair makes me smile. So if I yeah. had to point one thing outside of saying, I just celebrate um, being part of the cool club forever because black people literally are the definition of that worldwide, um, I'd pinpoint black beauty as one thing that I definitely celebrate. Yes. yes, I love, I love that. that. I know. Literally everything. Everything. I can't. I, I can't. Liana cannot jack my answers. All right, you better. Keep <laughs> I know. I feel like I feel like I need to go before you, just so I feel I'm not forgetting <laughs> what you say. Um. Yeah, I think. Um. Like, like you said, like back to once again, um, our childhood growing up as you know, the only black kid in primary school, high school, whatever, work settings. I feel like I've been paying for that um, tenfold as an adult, being aware of, um, aware of that fact and embracing um, and wrapping my blackness in every yeah. sense. Um, yeah. Being a black woman, I've said a thousand times and will say a million times over, is one of the proudest things mm. that, you know, one of the most... Oh God, how do I word that? I am one of the, the most one of the greatest most things you're proud of. Greatest things I'm proud of. Yeah. Um, I love yeah, that too. I feel like you're, um, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you um, reading the autobiography of Black <laughs> Beck. Yeah. And your whole thing changed. So Liana used to wear straight hair with your extensions in. Yeah, I used um, to rock and wave like it was normal. Yeah, you love that shit. But look at you, But then you read this book, and I just remember her whole thing. Like, the extensions were gone from that book on That's books. so good. How empowering. Yeah, I read um, The Autobiography of Malcolm X. Was that a, a, a turn for you? Yeah. And that changed my perspective on so much. And also, like, made me aware of the things I had experienced in my own life. Yes. Um. And also, I want to point out, visiting you, Lisa, in Brooklyn throughout, um, throughout growing up, like I was still fairly young, being, um, you know, aware of the culture and this, uh, yeah, I guess being around, you know, Brooklyn at such a young age definitely heightened my awareness of yeah, um, that's right. being proud of being black and walking How the streets. How old were you when you first went? Twelve. And yes, literally okay. every year of high school, we were in summer in yeah. Brooklyn. And that, for me, changed my perspective yeah. um, of how I see myself. Yes. Um, how I, you know why, right? Why? Because it's, it's simply in one sentence, because representation matters. Because we yes. have exactly. And actually, that, that goes to show how Liana was... Wow, <laughs> let me just stop again. How Liana's mind was... Um, 
uh, her experience was so different as well. She went there at such a young age compared to you or I. Because you mentioned the Malcolm X autobiography of Malcolm X. That also, that book also changed a lot for me. I remember reading it and finding it and finding it in the library and it was like it was almost brand new like it had never been touched and i actually wow. thought yeah and then i remember read i read it like i honestly i remember reading at least three times in my teenage years and mm. the story itself was so actually really beautifully written but um and, and then malcolm x obviously went from being like a like a low-life gangster so to speak into being the man that we know he was today and the journey, like, I couldn't necessarily relate to that, but it was a story of blackness and blackness in America that I was just so drawn to. So it was interesting that you say that too, Lee. I knew that you had read it, but I didn't know that it was kind of like a turning point for you too, because it absolutely was for me. And it was also one of the influences as to why I actually wanted to move to um, New York City, which I don't know if you knew. Okay. Wow. Yeah, interesting. Because I had read that first or second year of university and that was... Yeah, definitely a big shift for me um, in the way I think and just perceive not only just myself and, and race, but everything, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. You were really lucky to see what you saw um, in New York when I was living there at such a young age. And you were, I mean, you were lucky enough uh, to come out and visit multiple times because 100%. New York City is, is not only one of those meccas in the world, it gives you a whole different type of lens um, that you can see yourself in uh, as a person of color and how unapologetic, uh, you know, you can be to be, to be black and, and beautiful and, and free in a sense. Right. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't surprise me that that, that influenced you a lot. Mm. The environment yeah. as a whole, I think who you surround yourself with, the community, the atmosphere. I yeah. love that. I would have been so empowering for you as a, as a adolescent to always get to go over. And again, shout out to Lita. <laughs> we get to go over <laughs> to our big sisters in Brooklyn. Of all places, Brooklyn was so filled with the best. Oh my God, like still the best memories. Yeah. Like Every, I remember coming home from like being in BK for the summer and being like, I'm oh, black. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you can't tell me nothing. Like, like that is my home, and I'm just here when it's not summer. Um, don't yeah. try. <coughs> Bless. You can only imagine what ten years of my entire, like, my adult life, you know, and the impact it had on me. Like, I, you know, I it was so sad the day I left Brooklyn, but I needed to do it for my own personal self care. But it's still a city that I that I love and I call my second home. I yeah. That. But um, can I just say, what is the biggest things before we wrap up, because we do have to wrap up, um, that you had to unlearn, do you think? Um, As a particular um, Just, I don't know, about going back to, this could link in with what you had at any point, if you had, done to prove your blackness or to prove your Polynesian heritage. Like, what would you unlearn? that I guess what you could say is what would you, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently or what would you change in how you once conducted yourself by either be feeling like you needed to shrink yourself or be less than because you're a person of colour? 
make sense? Uh, uh, I don't know. My, my question was, I don't know what you, um, the biggest thing. What, what would I you guess, unlearn? I think that might give us some context as to what you mean. What would you unlearn? Yeah. Uh, um, I had to unlearn a lot of things. I think I had to unlearn. I had a lot of self-hate myself. And I, because I always had to fit in into what, when I was growing up, I had to fit into the crowd, I felt. So I would just suppress a lot of the ethnicity quote unquote, within myself. And it wasn't until we started to get to go over and visit Lita in Brooklyn and um, until I moved to the UK that I then was like, oh my gosh, I've like, why was I even embarrassed about all of this stuff? Like, this is so dope. And I had to unlearn that my mind was so colonised in the way I thought. Um, so I had to unlearn a lot of, yeah, just self-hate, I suppose. And even just, like, I'd never, ever, growing up here, been considered a pretty girl, like, ever. And then I move away. And all of a sudden, I have um, attention from people. Mind you, can I just say, I had so many of my friends hitting me up in my DMs being like, yo, can you, like, introduce me to your cousin, Lauren? <laughs> like, yes. yes. Can I speak yes. on yes. something that's interesting? I Similar experience. I ne Growing up, I never thought I was a pretty girl. I never thought that, like, even in my group of friends, and, and you guys know my, my two best friends back home, like, I never thought I was a pretty one. Like, it was always... Oh my God, you always, guy always wanted to Uh-huh? Nothing. I just said you always were, but people go. No, but so here's the thing. Here's the thing to that. And this is, like honestly not not a not a joke or not, nothing to actually laugh at because it's really important that young girls hear this there mm -hmm. are so many of us that actually think that we're the unpretty girls but mm -hmm. that's a really sad thing to actually identify with yeah. because that means that there was a lack of that shown or said or believed when you were that age because mm -hmm. I, because i felt that way didn't necessarily it didn't make it true well yeah 100 percent Right. Even if we're at adults now looking at our, our 12 year old, 16 year old selves, be like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. She's so pretty. But at that age, we didn't think that. I'm almost yeah. certain that regardless of what color you are, when you grow up, most girls are going to feel this way. So it doesn't make us yeah. special. But what's, what's interesting is to understand this. Only when I became a, an adult and say was on social media, did guys that I ran track with, went to high school with, would hit me and be like, oh my gosh, Lita Lewis, I remember you when you said X, Y, Z on the track and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I never had the guts to tell you, but I had the biggest crush on you. Yeah. <laughs> how how is that seriously possible? Like I literally thought I was a chick that no one wanted to talk to like from yeah. now. Like, yeah. I, can I say as your younger sister, I could see that people love you. As your older sister, I could see guys do the same thing. But yeah. you, you won't believe me. That's no. insane. But you won't. No. You didn't believe. Just, it's like when people say you're so used to your own features that you don't see the beauty that other people's do. Beauties, the beauty, <laughs> the beauty that other people's do. You know what I mean? Like you're so used to seeing your face that you start to. And I'm just talking from a young age because I look at my face and I tell myself every day, I'm like, "You're beautiful, right?" Hmm. But I look back and I think. Oh, no, I'm just really ordinary. This is just what it looks like. But people that would compliment you, it's because they see something more than just your face. They look at who you are. They look at how you make them feel as a person. Mm. 
Anyway, what were you going to say, Anna? Sorry. I was just going to say, I'm just listening to all of this, right? And it's like, it's crazy how we are basing not being the pretty girl off of male attention. Yes. And I'm like, I was going to say that. All red flags because you really, said that like, last week. Yeah. Mm. Who gives a fuck about scummy high school boys? Well, but that's how we're conditioned as women. Yeah. I know. I'm just making an observation mm. yeah. is that still yeah. for these scummy girls will base, like, whether they're fine yes. or not off of a dude making a comment. It's yeah. like, who that's the last that's another type of unlearning that i right. also had to go through and i was like oh i have self i am pretty i have self-worth because these people are giving me attention and then i had to unlearn like actually that doesn't mean shit yeah. like yeah, i have I'm, to find it i'm sure you had girlfriends that thought you were gorgeous and thought you were dope, whatever yeah. mm. but just because dudes weren't saying that it's like how how the fuck are we, yeah. Yeah. Why are we making that balance? Like that? Yeah. yeah. Because well, it's like, well, as biracial kids as well, we didn't grow up in a house that saw a black mother like do her hair and, and wear a certain shade of lipstick because it complemented her skin or whatever. All these things that like black mothers um, can mm. be their queen like selves in front of their black daughters to be like, you're gonna love yourself because you're regal and you're beautiful and all these types of things. You know, not only is mom not black, and then I'm obviously not trying this to fault her, obviously, but I'm just saying, as a, also as an observation, we didn't have a black mother in the household, but two, you know, mom's super fresh and never cared about looking cute or pretty. We didn't have, we weren't allowed or the luxury to try to spend X amount of hours in the bathroom doing our hair and doing our makeup. She just wasn't having it. So like that idea of a lack of self-love, um, you know, it comes from a whole gamut of, of different things that are outside yeah. of just adolescence. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Can I add to what we've had to unlearn? Like, so I'm where you guys are half black, I'm half white. And I, I started to make friends with other Polynesians later in like later in my high school years right mm. and I remember being like I've always been proud to be uh Polynesian but I remember back then constantly being referred to as plastic I was a plastic Samoan um I was a plastic Tuvaluan because I didn't speak my language or I wasn't you know it's like where do you back then it was like what space do I fit in I'm not brown enough to be Polynesian but I'm not white enough to be white mm. right and I remember back then being feeling this need to prove my mm. my Polynesian self. Yeah. And but I, I look back at that and I realize that I've had to put in a lot of work to not get stuck into a comparison trap. Yeah. And that's why I tell myself that I'm beautiful. That's why, because I have the power to build myself up mm. and not, as you said, Anna, rely on someone else. Don't get me wrong. I said to my husband, I was like, um, did you see me? Tell me I look beautiful because I already told myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I think back at that and being told that I was a wannabe fob or that I was fear balangi. So it's like, well, where's the happy medium, guys? Like, you can't sit there and claim me as a Polynesian, but yeah. at the same time tell me that I'm plastic or tell me that I'm too white. Yeah. Like, I can be both because I am both and no one can take that away from me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just I think of that. And part of the power that I love is that we tend to naturally engage really positively with other Polynesians that you might have met for a second. And I think back to high school, I never had that. Like I had to work really hard to forge, you know, common ground 
mm. with my friends. And I noticed that every time I would see one, I'd say, hey, where are you from? Are you, like, are you Sa? Are you Tuvaluan? They'd be like, yeah, you? I'm like, yeah, my family's from Folio too. Like, <laughs> and it's just really easy to forge relationships when other, you know, when you're surrounded by people that embrace yeah. you, whether you're half white, half black, half Polynesian, quarter this, quarter that. I had to unlearn that there are some people that will embrace you wholeheartedly and those who don't they're really not worth your energy like don't get caught up in it trying to make someone like you so those are things that I had to unlearn yeah so okay we're gonna wrap this up because we've kept you ladies for a long time I want to finish off with if you could offer some words of encouragement to to the younger to the youth to the young adults of today who might be struggling to navigate through life in whatever circumstance or environment they're in, being a, you know, person of colour, what would you share with them? How would you hype them up, build them up? I'm going to give Leanna the mic first. Um, I would say just, it may sound cliche, but you really just have to embrace, I would say you would just have to embrace your sense of, um, otherness and and lean into it rather than try and um i guess prove or internally prove to others that you're this or that it's like just be what the fuck you are and don't apologize for it which is obviously easier said than done um but get to unlearn it yeah i think you know it's just about yeah embracing all the differences and yeah for me i have to find the balance though because i still work in corporate australia and i can't be unapologetically myself in that setting because i'll be fired (laughs) what what would you tell the younger the younger yeah i'd say the similar to liana uh to liana and i'd also try and stress like try not to i don't know it's easy as a grown-up to tell younger folks to try not fit in so much just be who you are but it's literally if I could tell my younger self anything I'd say yeah be true to who you are even if even if you're not going to fit in in that moment because who's for you will come to you and you'll be like you'll just flourish so much more Mm. Um, yeah and also you won't you don't have to completely identify with the people immediately around you. You don't have to, if you're in high school and you're the only black chick surrounded by 10 Beckys that are your best friends, you don't have to look like them. You don't have to be exactly like them. Your uniqueness is Absolutely. I mean, if you want to do that, do that. If that's who you are, wear that weave. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) Um, But also it's like you don't have to. Like it's, you don't have to immediately be... Mm. your friends or people that you're with. Lita? Yeah, I think um, I have the privilege of being able to speak to like young people, young girls, um, um, often actually in in some of the work that I do. Um, And what I noticed is when you're young, you're leaning into the idea of who you are. And I think um, a lot of insecurities and self-doubt come from not necessarily finding what I call your tribe or peoples that you can relate to or that identify with like the spirit within you. Meaning like when you're young, you um, are trying to figure out who you are 
in sometimes those around in your actual physical space. So the people that you go to school with, perhaps um, some other social groups you might be uh, involved in, don't necessarily mirror who you think that you want to become. And so what's really amazing about this era is that we have the internet. And when you search the internet, you can find people from all walks of life that I think can help one kind of um, help a, find community and, and show and share that you don't have to be what say mass media show as the normal, as the pretty, as the whatever mm. that you can mm. find as well. People that look like you, that have similar interests, that love the same music, that like all those weird and quirky things that you like and mm. know that just because um, you're in a, in a, you know, a current time or era of your life, it does not mean that uh, the future will not bring positivity and goodness because it absolutely will. And so I usually just tell the youth that is, is it, it is absolutely okay to be exactly who you are. And this idea of you trying to be like someone else is all a lie. You'll grow up to learn that is all a lie. You're inspired to want to be like, look like, or do like someone else. And I usually mm -hmm. say self-included. People are like, oh man, I just want to be like you. But I'm Absolutely not. If that's the case, then you've already failed yourself. And I'll tell you why. It is yeah. important for you to find your own voice coming from within of who you are and just literally focus on being the best version of that. And so, again, I just tell people to find their tribe. Um, and, and when you're stuck in a place like Camden, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to find those that are really your tribe. So use the internet, use social media, know that there's someone... Mm -hmm perhaps across Find the world. community. Exactly. That is sharing messaging, sharing images, sharing energy. That is what you want to be. And so be inspired by what's on, on a, from a worldly perspective and not in your Yes. Did you agree? I love that. I just want to say thank you so much to you girls for joining Thanks, us. Love hey. you. And sharing your wisdom and your experiences. We love you. <laughs> love you. I, and can I say, I'm so grateful to be surrounded by such strong, powerful, empowered women like yourselves, as you should feel about me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I love you guys. Thanks so much for coming on and chatting with us. Thank you for tuning in to All The Things. You can follow us on Instagram at allthethings.talk. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever it is you get your podcast fix. We hope you join us next week for conversations on all the things.